0: What's going on? This is Bobby J with City Chapters Podcast. On today's chapter, we got Austin Dannon. Austin Dannon is the executive director of Peak Seven, a nonprofit that provides outdoor adventure experiences that engages people, primarily youth, um, but it challenges them spiritually, physically, mentally, and emotionally to help them realize a greater potential. Peak 7 offers adventures such as backpacking, mountaineering, rafting, which is a trip I got to go on with them on the Spokane River with uh, Whitworth International. Austin had me on and uh, he wanted me to experience a trip with them. And that was just a cool experience with those students. Um, they also offer climbing, stand up paddle boarding and snowshoeing. So that's kind of the little intro I have for Austin and Peak 7, and we're just going to get into more of this story here, and what Peak 7 really does is Austin will take us through it. Yeah. What's going on, man? No,
1: it's good. No, I, it's uh, Summer is just definitely ramping up a ton, so um, we got all the guides. We have about um, 14 to 18 guides, a lot of volunteers, and just people who love love the outdoors and have a heart for youth in our community. Um, we mostly partner, primarily partner with organizations instead of um, instead of just working with individual students. Like, hey, you want to have an awesome experience, um, right? Yeah, and, and stuff like that. And so we'll instead call maybe a Cup of Cool Water or someone who has an existing relationship with an organization, Street Youth Ministries over in Seattle. Mm-hmm. Uh, the other thing too is just trust. Uh, we really want to provide. Um, kind of break down those barriers uh, for the outdoor experience. And so for kids that um, are thinking about going, it's like, that doesn't something I I really do, or um, even just vulnerability kind of in that space. And so for a leader um, who's actually works with them and knows them to be able to like share that experience um, with them of like, I don't know, like that whitewater rafting, that sounds really scary. Like that's not our kind of thing, you know, that's not what we do. That's a white people thing, you know, and they're a leader saying, hey, no, you can trust me. You can trust these guys and just and um, just having this amazing experience. So we primarily partner with um, organizations and just kind of like help them alongside instead of a youth leader needing to go out and get backpacks and stoves and wilderness first responder certifications, trainings. Um, They can come to us and it's just like, hey, what can you afford towards the cost? Here's the cost of the trip. We want to provide these opportunities for all youth in the Northwest. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, what, where, what can you afford towards the, the cost of your trip? So that's really um, what we do. We work in Spokane, um, Oregon, and Seattle right now. And um, it was started 2005, 2006. Um, a, a guy named Brian Kerrigan just had a huge heart for the outdoors and just saw kids, um, just kids along the river, not really enjoying the outdoors for what that was. Just a lot of hypodermic needles, breaking bottles. And like, mm-hmm. hey, I wonder if we can give a, a new perspective
0: um, of the outdoors and what that is. Yeah, what it what it can be to actually hang out at the river, be on the river instead mm-hmm. of kind of what was going on. It still does, you know. Oh, yeah. Now, I so. work
1: with a lot of organizations or... Like we work with the Teen Challenge and like, whoa, this is the first time down by the river having fun and not being high mm-hmm. or experiencing real laughter. It's like, oh, you know, not fake high laughter, but real laughter. And just being able to recreate and be a part of the outdoors, being part of a community uh, without having to to use and stuff like that is, is really eye opening for a lot of our our, our community members who join.
0: Yeah, I think I think what you guys offer is amazing, as I've shared with you before. And and the reason I reached out is because um, one of the things that I've been saying on the podcast is that I want to have people that are running nonprofits on here to give them a voice. Um, Well, and, you know, just help share the message. Not like I have a huge platform yet, but, you know, I think that any amount helps with getting the word out there. And, you know, hopefully the aim is that one day this podcast will be a big platform and people can backtrack and look at older episodes and then, you know, maybe find out in the future about Peak 7. Yeah. Um, You know, and I I know I have a decent base, so thank you to everybody that does listen. But one of the biggest things about what I want to do with City Chapters is really get myself acquainted with people that are really doing great work in our city and in our area and um, just in the world in general. But, you know, starting off here is where I need to be and knowing and getting to sit and talk with people such as yourself that are really investing their life into helping the community, not just hoping it was better, but they're actually doing things to make it better. It's really important for me to learn from you because I want city chapters to have that dynamic to it. And I'm trying to learn how to go about doing that the right way. And people like you can kind of show me that path, you know? Um, so, you know, I, it's really cool. Like when I reached out to you, uh, I think the first time that I heard about Peak 7, I believe was through my friend, Joel Barber. Shout out to mm-hmm. Joel, runs the great p He had done something with you guys and... He told me about what you guys do. And I was like, oh, that's awesome. Like getting kids that want to have that opportunity, you know, to go out into nature, into the wild and have like a, a full experience based upon whether it's backpacking or rafting, you know, like nature and being out in nature, hiking, backpacking, camping, all that kind of stuff has changed my life, you know, and it helps a lot of the pain that comes from being in our society all the time kind of wash away for that time Mm -hmm. you're out there you know and like that's really one of the only places i really do find that kind of natural peace you know that natural healing instead of reverting to alcohol to get away or these other substances that we try to use to distract ourselves something about being in nature is just healing and uh you know that you guys are providing that is so important to kids that may may have never had that opportunity otherwise if your organization didn't exist yeah and so you know i'm just happy to you know that you guys do exist like those kids you know the students that we went out with a lot of them had never done something like that before being that they were from all sorts of different countries and Probably again, white people don't—they don't really do these kinds of things where they're from. But they had a blast. I had a blast. Mm. I was having a ball, you know, with you guys. That's
1: why I wanted you to be able to see firsthand. I think, like, hearing about it or thinking about, but being able to see maybe the nervousness of stepping into the raft. Um, It's cold, you know, on the Spokane River. Um, But just seeing the the genuine connection and the and the smiles and the confidence and in those outdoor spaces and like what you shared about of just. Having an opportunity to reset on your perspective in the outdoors, I just got an email from just one of the organization leaders in, um, in Seattle working with um, youth and inner city youth in Seattle. And it's like, man, it was just really good to, to get out and just reset and take a breath. And mm-hmm. I think that's what the outdoors provides. And a lot of people just are looking for that. Um, but they're, it can be very disconnected. Um, to outdoor places, and so being able to say, "Wow, you know, when the phones, when the phone batteries die, and kids are bored, and it's like I've never experienced boredom before, and just being able to sit and think and look, or we'll do things um, called sharing our life stories on backpacking trips, and just like giving them kind of a platform to share, and for them to kind of process, not in a counseling way, but just them to share a little bit of their story, um, as the as you see the the coastal trails, like one of my favorite places, and watching the sun set into the ocean, a campfire there, um, and maybe kind of giving kids a space to start unpacking a little bit of their story um, in a, a safer place where people are listening and really care. It's just a really powerful to be able to have those kind of conversations and come alongside. So
0: yeah, yeah. it's true. Like it's um, it's amazing sometimes the conversations that will come up when you're in. A place like that that don't really happen the same way and they just don't they just don't have the same power as they do when you're in nature around a campfire or whatever it is you know and really digging into some things that maybe are going on that you really don't know how to express until you're in that kind of a setting almost so um yeah, so uh, let's let's transition to more of your backstory and how you even ended up at peak seven So I read online you were born in Spokane yeah. correct
1: Yeah I was born and raised in, in Spokane. Um, I really enjoyed and loved the outdoors um, but I had a, I have like a, a limp and so I walk mm-hmm. with a limp I had a lot of surgeries through um, 11 uh, 11 years old to about 17 years old. Uh, in and out of Triners Hospital, um, those kind of things. and so. But I I loved being in the outdoors, even though I couldn't recreate maybe at the same level. Mm -hmm. Um, I grew up out in the the country and just wanted to be able to provide, seeing the power of that experience and wanting to provide that for others. And so I went looking through the degrees at Eastern, like, okay, I'm going to Eastern, let's look through degrees, like, oh, geology, that sounds kind of cool. And I was like, outdoor recreation, like that's a degree. So I called the professor at the time, told him a little bit of my story, um and he was pretty skeptical with my physical limitations of just like i i don't know like this Mm -hmm. probably isn't the best Um, but i really had a heart even at that time to like i want to take youth uh into the outdoors like i want to work with youth i want to work in the outdoors um so i joined the outdoor recreation program um worked there for uh got graduated went to germany for my internship and I uh, was offered a, a job working at the Air Force, working with the Air Force kids, um, but just saw it as like climbing the ladder and saw that kind of thing. And I wanted, I wanted more, I wanted a more lasting impact. Like, what I want to do is be able to have more lasting impact in the community. And, and just the, the environment on the base and youth programs that I experienced was just getting to the next level, kissing up to your boss, like, oh, this person's leaving. I wonder who's going to get their job. I was like, I don't want to just climb the ladder. I want to make a real difference. And so mm-hmm. went to actually back to Spokane. And I um, went back to Spokane and um, worked at like an auto shop for a while. They wanted me to work there. And I, I said, no, it's not you know what I want to do, but it's just temporary. And then heard about a job at the Union Gospel Mission working at their camp. Um, loved working at the camp. And it was... Uh, more of a maintenance kind of thing hit the hit my ceiling there and kind of came to a, a point like, hey, this is not where God's calling me of like continuing on this path. You know, I need to be working with people more. And so um, it was kind of like in the fall is when those seasonal jobs, you have to decide to stay another year or not. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to quit um, this amazing job working at the camp um, and and find something else, and a lot of people started like, "Hey, Peak Seven's hiring. Peak Seven's hiring," and um, people warned me like, "Ah, don't start, don't work at a small nonprofit. You'll work and work into the ground, and you'll get absolutely nothing. You'll get just burnt out and spent and done." Um, but the more I heard about it, I was like, and more people called me like, "Hey, there's a job at Peak Seven. So I met Ryan, went through interview, shook his hand, and and started as a, a coordinator in 2009. And then just ever since then, it's um, been going to Seattle, helped starting up the Seattle branch, came back to Spokane, took over programs, um, and now uh, executive director. So kind of been through watching it and, and looking at that and now kind of guiding it to that um, next chapter um, for, for Peak 7. So, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a little bit of a very brief overview of my story.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Did you have like a specific experience growing up that kind of like intrigued you with the outdoors? Do yeah. you have like a certain moment?
1: No, I one of the things I love asking is like um, people who are on those on on trips of like just like a favorite outdoor memory um, and how mm-hmm. memories and outdoor experiences can be really pivotal um, in our lives. And, and so want to love providing that for, for kids to be able to have these outdoor formative outdoor experiences, but no, I do. Um, um, two kind of things that really stuck out with me, um, is with my dad. My dad, um, was a farm boy. Uh, he wanted to be a, a farmer and, um, and he was, uh, he was, had a, eye disease, basically, and was going blind and couldn't mm-hmm. knew he couldn't be a farmer. And so um, <clears throat> he was like white cane, like 100% pretty much blind as his retina just deteriorated. And and um, he knew that I was going to go through um, Shriners and go through a lot, and he wanted to have a really um, an amazing experience, something that we did together. And so he had a friend of his who had horses, and uh, he took us up in the Cascades on horseback. And I just—it's really a pivotal memory of seeing fear of like riding a horse on a, what in my opinion back then was like a cliff edge, and getting freaked out, and having to overcome those fears, being able to wake up in the morning and pick huckleberries next to a deer and put them in my pancakes, go fishing, um, and just really spending that time um, with my dad. And yeah. then as my dad. Um, got later in life developed cancer and going through chemo um we kind of knew it wasn't looking too good and so um his friends like let's do another horse packing trip and we went up to mount rainier area went elk hunting it was a complete like disaster um the horse rolled over my dad Mm -hmm. and his friend and there was like forest fires the horses got away um but I will like those memories and those times, even though it's absolutely miserable. Like, what are we doing? Like taking a <laughs> blind man with in chemotherapy, mm-hmm. um, way up in the mountains. But mm-hmm. I look back at that time and remember those 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 memories of like sufferfest were yeah. really challenging. Are gonna stick with me for for a lifetime. Yeah. Uh, so there's something about outdoor memories that that just really stick with you of that experience. It's not like I always talk to kids of like, hey, going to Silverwood lots of fun, um, you know, and you're going to kind of remember that. But when you think about those backpacking trips where it rained and you forgot something or something like that and you're out there just suffering, you're going to remember a lot more of those details than maybe like the most fun amusement park or something like
0: that. I I agree. Yeah. There's, you know... I. The suffering that you have to go through sometimes in the outdoors for the reward. Sometimes you don't even get the reward, like you're saying. Uh, mm-hmm. As far as like what we perceive yeah. that re- reward, hopefully to be, you know, which is like essentially like coming out of that trip, like that was an amazing experience or memory. But sometimes, like you're saying, those um, formative memories and the ones that stick the most are memories that you had a struggle in the outdoors. And um, I mean, there's something about when you struggle in the outdoors and you make it through the strength that you gain from it about yourself. Like I made it through that. And now you have this heightened more confidence of what you're really capable of because you put yourself in a vulnerable situation. Every time you're really in the outdoors you're putting yourself essentially in a vulnerable situation and the more skills that you gain through training and stuff, the safer you can be, but there's no guarantees out there. There's so many variables. And you need it.
1: Um, I mean, part of that is having adventure. And so we talk about safety, not as, or risk, not as the enemy of like, Oh, mm-hmm. risk is a bad thing, right. but risk is essential um, yeah. to what we do. I remember I like one time I was taken, um, a student. It was. It was a. It was a ran. It was a group of kids. An open enrollment trip. One of the few that we do. And one of the kids from my youth group just had a really challenging story. And I was like, Hey, you should come on this peak seven backpacking trip. And he just. You could tell he really longed for adventure and greatness and significance and in his life. And he wasn't able to live that out. Uh, he tried through video games or how he talked, um, but. Yeah, he was just, it was just really challenging for him. And so I remember um, one of the, the trails we did up in the Cascades, and there's two different ways to get to the summit. And we took one of this, like, basically a natural stone bridge. It was a slab of granite that had fallen in a saddle, and you walk across, and it's just straight down either side, and it's kind of exposed. And so we take the kids up that, and it's just straight down, Getting after the summit, and then we walk off the easy way. And when the student realized, um, he's like, "Why in the world would we? If this route was available all the time, how would we take the more risky, you know, route?" Yeah. And so you're kind of just able to process like our need for adventure and and risk, and not just. Um, I I talked to a friend who like uh, free soloed, and I was mm. asking him about risk, and he's like, "It's not about the adrenaline rush." It's about the simplicity of life. When you're in those situations, all that matters is that next move, um, and so you know all your other stuff at home or wherever falls away. It's just you and that next step, yeah, um, kind of thing. And so for him to experience that that life of all this stuff with his family and and hurt, um, not that it it goes away, but it it gives you a chance to step back and get perspective.
0: Hmm. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, um, I you know, I think it's just to a way that, like, I forget sometimes how healing it is to get outdoors. You know, you forget. You get caught up in life again. You get caught up with business and different things and the best medicine that you can, that for me. yeah. And I think it's true for a lot of people that have experienced it is if you get outdoors, like you said, those things kind of just – they don't matter as much. They may still be there, but it kind of helps you reset and look at them from a, a different point of view. Of like, I've been really letting these things get to me or or bother me a lot. But really, in the scheme of things, these things aren't really that that bad. You know. Now I can't speak for everybody, but most of the time that's true for me. When I get outdoors, the things that I'm stressing about in my life in the city or whatever, as soon as I get out, I'm like, why do I even care about that stuff? You know, and it just kind of washes it away for the, for some time, but you got to continually get that cleansing, you know? And so, you know, I have to remind myself if I'm stressed out, like, dude, you got to take a break, go hiking, you know, do something like that just to get out and kind of cleanse away the stress of the city life. No, I would, I would agree. Even,
1: even like the way that as you, as I was thinking about like what that means to get a reset and perspective and problems not going away, I feel like sometimes some of the problems and the things that we think are big really fall away. And some of the things that are, are really big and should be big, um, we're kind of left to continue to, to work with. But in that environment where you can see like this outdoor space and the grandness mm-hmm. of that, um, of like, wow, someone like I you know, I believe like someone made this and that person like cares deeply about me hmm. um in those situations. That's really, really powerful. I remember one time <clears throat> I did a father son trip with my dad. My mom was going through um cancer and it's easy to just have to, you know, work through like
0: you said your mom was going through yeah, cancer as well. It was, I've been a, lot. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little yeah, bit.
1: Okay, of, yeah. Yeah. And so it was a different portion of my life and um mm. my dad and i are on this grand ron multi-day father-son trip and it's easy to just like manage a situation and then like for my dad came to me and he's like i'm really scared to, if something happens to your mom if your mom's not going to be there and for him to be really vulnerable that was like a huge memory to point. his son yeah to, to him like yeah. seeing my dad scared and sad and mm-hmm. um but having the space to be able to process that other Mm. things calming down of like, this is, you know, it doesn't like alcohol kind of numbs things, um, for, for kind of setting or things like that. But I think it, it, it just gives you a new platform to start processing through, um, a lot of stuff in our lives. And so I, that's, that's one memory that really sticks out of like, oh, you know, as my very first year or second year in peak seven and then having to work through this with my dad and being on that you know, in middle of nowhere, miles of, of nothing and no cell phone reception or anything. And just working through that with my dad of fear of, you know, and losing my mom or those kind of things.
0: So, yeah, for sure. I mean, I've had, you know, I have experiences like with, with the big things when you're out in nature, like it, you you learn how to like process them maybe in a more or less stressful way or in a more peaceful way, like a more, seems like you, you kind of find a more acceptance of what's happening and going on, but you, you know, you know, it still has to be processed, but at least for that time, you know, out there, you can, you can process it more peacefully and less stressed. It, that's my experience. Yeah, it's you like know, so.
1: what, what is a real need, you know, food, yeah. water, shelter right you know those kind of things community and like what do we what do we really need i remember you know going back from you'll be out in the backcountry for quite a while and you'll you'll turn on a faucet and just like wow like on-demand water Mm. and how much you have to work for clean water in outdoor places um or how essential water is it's just amazing I, i love there's so many rich life lessons even um this last, a few years ago, just young kids, crazy time. I said, I'm not going to go, not going to go elk hunting this year. Way, way too much going on. My buddy calls me, hey, we should go elk hunting. And I was like, oh, we're not going to get any elk. Um, but I thought, let's get away. And so we were able to just get away. I knew like, there's no way in the short amount of time, no scouting, huge area of land, tiny little herd. Um, but just getting out archery hunting and walking and, talking about our lives our marriages our relationship with god and Mm. just like whoa these are the things that really matter of all the other stuff it's just amazing to to reset even though i knew like there's no way the kids the kids would be like dad where's the elk and my wife's you know like oh you know why are you guys doing this yeah um but i think the richer things of there are why
0: yeah yeah i've heard that from other hunters too it's like it's not always about getting the kill it's about You know just being out there and you know of course you have kind of a mission to you know find your hunt but uh it's about that experience of being out there in the woods like that with another partner friend for that long of a time you know yeah Yeah. um i've never been hunting uh elk hunting sounds awesome from what i've heard and if i were gonna do it i'd have to do it with a bow you know, that's a, I think that's the only way I would hunt is, you know, archery. Uh, I just feel like that's kind of levels the playing field a bit and just feels more primal. Even though these bows these days are crazy, but
1: <laughs> elk, elk do a good job leveling that playing field. It oh is, yeah, they're it, smart. They, they are in some really tough country, but
0: yeah, I've seen them uh, when I've been out in the back country, mm-hmm. but uh never with the intent of hunting them. Of course, it's amazing how quickly they disappear they know
1: they're yeah. smart they know yeah. when you know i'll see them all the time or not all the time i'll see them out there when i'm just not hunting yeah. but when animals being hunted they they know but yeah yeah
0: only time I, I like one that actually stands out uh specifically i was in the blue mountains like in oregon we came up over this hill we we're way up in the mountains and we came up over this like what looks like a hill, but we're on top of a mountain, but this, like, meadow, and all you could see were, like, the elk eyes, like, right over the crest of that hill meadow, and they were just, like, watching us, and then they just, like, backed up, and then, I mean, this meadow was huge, and then the wood, like, I don't know where they went, but they were gone. Like, it was so cool to just see probably, like, five, six of them just, like, vanish. It's pretty amazing. Yeah. So, um, so I wanted to talk about, you You said you were born with a limp. Mm-hmm. So what was like the medical condition yeah. of that?
1: Yeah. Um, so actually, I wasn't necessarily born with a limp. I was born with a lot of birth defects in my right leg. Okay. And so um, one, of the, one of the symptoms was a, my right leg was shorter than my left in a significant way. If I didn't do anything, I'd have like a ridiculous over three inch lift. Mm. Um, on my shoe and just would be really bad on my back so they had to um, it was kind of a newer procedure at or a a newer procedure Um, but they basically would go in break my femur with like a hammer and chisel and then put pins and an external cage on and I'd have a little wrench and I'd lengthen my leg um, a little bit each day and they also stopped the growth of my other leg Um, but when they did that and lengthening my, uh, in the lengthening procedure, um, that the bone is broken, but everything else has to stretch skin, tendons, those kind of things. And so uh, my knee actually got pulled out of joint and just zapped all the cartilage in my knee. And so right now, after all those, um, surgeries, um, I have like a bow in my leg and then also very limited range of motion in my knee. Um, and the doctor, went in to release the scar tissue and he said if I release this scar tissue it's going to be bone on bone and you're going to be like destroying your knee and in so much pain I'm going to have to Mm. keep the scar tissue there as uh, a replacement for for the cartilage and so I've had to like modify um, and adapt and even in the outdoors I think it's um, continuing just kind of working through those things my feelings of inadequacy of someone else could could do this more i think um, limitations of to the extent of which i can do something Um, so i love enjoy climbing but it's it would take it takes me a lot longer to climb because i don't have range of motion in my right leg Uh, especially like climbing gyms of like where they're designed only one way rock rock i can do a little bit more um Same with like backpacking, mountaineering. I can do it, but it's, I've had, I've decided to just kind of back off a little bit. Snowboarding, um, just I'll I'll go for it and try it. Uh, I've been Mm. backing off as I get older, just realizing like I destroy my good knee or, or even mess up my bad knee worse. um, It's going to be really uh, life altering more. So Mm. just accepting that of like, okay, not going to snowboard as much. I'm going to go cross country skiing or, not gonna be able to climb. Water sports are really good, and I can do rafting, white, you know, a little mm. bit of kayaking, those kind of things. But yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think it's just it is that, but it also creates uh, a place of vulnerability. Um, working with kids in the outdoors, and you know, for them, they're vulnerable. They say like, I can't do this. Like that'll be a huge thing. Like ah, you know, I'm done. I I can't, I can't keep going.
0: Yeah,
1: and for me to to come alongside in my in my limitations and say no like we can do this it's really hard but we can continue and seeing that and then just being able to be vulnerable of um during life stories too and be able to talk about talk about things that maybe they can share yeah it opens
0: up uh it opens up uh that conversation maybe right Mm -hmm. a little bit easier so I mean, being that, you know, you're the leader of the organization, you have this impairment. But it actually probably in certain ways inspires a mm. lot of the kids that are like going through it and they see you leading the charge and whatnot. And maybe it helps them dig a little deeper potentially, right? Or
1: Yeah, yeah I think so. And the other thing too is the outdoor industry, not always, but can have a, a little bit of like, one-up kind of thing. Or for sure. How good. Like it's always all that these, way. You yeah. know, these kind of things. And so to create a space for kids who have never been in the outdoors, not all guides, but like for specifically Peak Seven's guides and Peak Seven's culture, it's not about like how hard you can climb. It's about mm-hmm. fight for the kids and, and being with the kids. So if I have a guide who's like, oh, I want to like climb huge mountains and do crazy climbs, maybe like working at Peak 7 isn't the most because we're going to be doing a lot of hiking through the hills. Yeah. Um, we're going to be doing like Mount Baker and we're going to get to base camp. And you know, half the kids is like, no, this is, we're going to hang out at base camp. And for us, yeah. we're not like a, a push for the summit at all costs. It's about the experience mm-hmm. um, um, along the way. And so I think it can create a, a safer place for them to like go into the woods for the first time, not know and not feel um, stupid kind of things of like, yeah, like, oh, you should know this or don't know this. Um, and so I think Which having guides who aren't that like... That is having-
0: huge in the outdoor industry. Like, even when you get like that that superiority of like what people know versus what people don't know. Even when you go through training, it can feel that way. Like, oh, like, you know, yeah. but at some level, I think it's, you gotta, you, you kind of have to toughen up and and... You know, like, I'm not speaking for the kids. I'm speaking for, like, anybody that's seeking training in the outdoor. Like, you kind of have to let go of your ego and be vulnerable and and know that you don't know what you don't know, you know, and that's okay. And these guys that have been teaching it for so long, you know, they, they have to repeat this over and over and over to people, so it might not always come out the best way, you know. It's just like they've been doing it. And you need to get the message. And sometimes it has to be curt for you to understand the severity of what you're learning. Um, Because, you know, a lot of times it's life and death based upon these skills you learn um, in real outdoor situations. In any situation, like I took took two courses this winter. I took my avalanche one course and I took my wilderness first aid. In the Wilderness First Aid course, I was just like, I afterwards, I realized how much I don't know. Like, now I know that I know so much of nothing about first aid than when I took the class. Like, you think you, now that class has opened up to me how much more training I need to take to really even be effective. Because the Wilderness First Aid is like, yeah, here you go. These are some (laughs) things that you should know and do, but like to memorize that, to actually execute it in the field and all of that, like that course is just really just to open your eyes to what you don't know. Yep. And then it's up to you if you want to keep seeking training after. And for me, if I'm like gonna seriously take, you know, backcountry split boarding serious, like the wilderness first aid is not enough for me to feel comfortable with people in the backcountry and knowing what you have to do in serious situations.
1: Yeah, no, know, the Wilderness First Responder. And, yeah. And just getting out there, too, and having real-life experiences. Like, yeah. even at a woofer where it's, like, eight days of experience, mm-hmm. um, all of a sudden, a year later, something happens in the wilderness. Like, whew. You know, it's it's amazing. And it's just uh, how how it can disappear. And so just continuing to learn yeah. <clears throat> um, and continue to have those experiences um, with people in the outdoors. Yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. But um I wanna I wanna double back on, on your birth how do how how would I properly say it? Birth defects? I mean Yeah. Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So you had your first surgeries when you were eleven. Is yeah. that when they started? Yeah. I and had so, braces
1: and stuff when I was the little too. I had like yeah. a lift and stuff like that. But yeah. 11.
0: So I imagine there was a lot of things. That were difficult growing up the way that you did. From other kids, whatever the situation might be, right? So and now when I meet you and I've met you know, I met you a couple months ago or within this year, I believe, you seem like a very strong individual mentally, you know. Um, you hold yourself very well. You're leading an organization that does great work for people. But I imagine that you had to do a lot of work to gain this confidence and overcome some of these setbacks that some people might perceive as a setback. You know, I, I'm, I'm curious about your mindset, how you um, dealt with these challenges growing up, how you potentially overcame them or how you still have yeah. to maybe revisit and, and work through these inadequacies, you know, cause we all have them. Mm-hmm. Yours is just showing in a physical way, more visible but all of us try to hide ours that don't have maybe the physical defects, but we all have the um, uh, internal defects that we're dealing with. So what is what has been your process of dealing with this um, card you were dealt in life?
1: Yeah. Um, I feel like the, the physical aspect um, of with my knee and with my leg um, – was a little easier, like being uh, a teenager and just like I can overcome the world, mm. you know, already. And mm. and so it's like I'm not going to let it set me back. And I I put like I try. I went for everything. And so you still had a strong to-
0: head as as a young kid, like I, you didn't let it stop you from. I did doing anything. That's yeah, great. yeah. I, I would it's be awesome. out on
1: on crutches, like <laughs> it's <clears throat> um like um sledding or something like that. I just put my crutches on my sled on the sled head down the driveway at, you know with my helmet on on my runner <laughs> sled um, awesome yeah um so I think the physical aspect in that time in my life um, and then just seeing my my dad and his uh, blindness too and kind of seeing that example of him continuing to to push to mm-hmm. push past I think the the harder part is more the relational or just the other, the more of the softer stuff, I mm. guess, um, specifically just, um, providing, I think growing up, trying to fit in, you know, as right. with, with just socially, mm-hmm. um, of like, what do I have to contribute? Um, and so like kids would get dropped off at the hospital by their parents to hang out with me and they'd be naturally like super excited to go to the lake later on, like, oh, we're going to we lake and all these things that I, you know, wasn't able to, to do. And so I think, like, left out is a real powerful um, phrase in my in my life right now. And just kind of processing, like, how that kind of people confidence and socially. Um, you know, like, someone really cares and accepts me, and I don't have to um, provide that value of, like, what does this person need? Because I can't um, recreate on the same level. And yeah. so I'm not going to be as fun as a kid that has, like, full working legs or something like that. So, yeah, I think that, and that still even affects me today at just kind of processing through. I have that air, but I also have a lot of uh, confidence stuff of like with the executive, especially with the executive director position of like, hey, coming out of the pandemic, it was really tough financially for Peak 7. We had um, just really depended on, I mean, we work with organizations on what they can afford. And so we don't necessarily make a majority of we don't make a majority of our money through, you know, registration fees. We make it through donations and we do fundraisers, event-based fundraisers. And so the pandemic hit those event based fundraisers and <clears throat> showed us some other weaknesses in our organization. And so um, it came to a point where we had to really reduce staff. And I was trying to balance the budget, working on it in September of 2020. And I was like, it doesn't balance. Like, one of the big positions has to go. We can't, you know, continue at this. So I wrote myself out of the budget and I was like, hey, I balanced the budget. I made it work. Um, And the board said, no, like, we're not going to accept that. And so the executive director at the time, really awesome uh, guy that I loved um, working with, and he wrote himself out of the budget. And so the board had to, basically decide, like, what are they going to do? And so when they chose, like, hey, we're going to stick with someone who knows. We want to be continuing in the community, someone who's program-oriented, program more um, program or knowing the programs and be able to run the programs and being able to be there and serve the, the capacity that the community needs. Um, I just felt really, ina- at first, inadequate of, like, nah, you no, know, yeah. someone else can do this better. You know, yeah. Someone else could do this better. And just kind of working with mentors and things like that of, like, no, you, you're you the right person for this job. We believe in you. And, like, no, you're just, like, believing them and saying, like, no, you're just saying that to make me feel better.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and so those kind of things really come from those experiences at that hospital of, like, man, if I, f- like, fail at this or those kind of things. Um, normal, normal things that anyone would work through. But for me, right, with my right. story, um, yeah yeah my my confidence so that's just one thing but mm-hmm. um the physical the physical aspect i say came fairly naturally um just being a high school student and just wanting to go for it feeling like i conquer the world and i love that man. and growing up figuring out how to how to adapt you know you yeah. this is normal for me like i don't even notice i don't notice my limp i don't, I don't know that i limp and then someone else like dude what happened to your leg did you break it skiing or something like that and I kind of like, kinda like a little bit of I I don't mind it, but it's just like, oh yeah, like I forgot, you know, yeah. and so having to work yeah. through that. So I don't think I'll ever, it's a big part of my story. Yeah. It's a huge part of my story. Yeah. Um, and kind of working through, with God through that, of like I would not be the person I was today if I wasn't reminded of, of my weakness. I would be considered, uh, I'd be like, oh no, I am strong. I can do this. And so I think having that vulnerability um, helps me lead in that organization of not having to know it all. It's like, no, someone might be able to do this better. Someone might be better at this, and I'm going to have a team. I'm going to surround myself with a team that's really talented, and I'm going to support them, and I'm going to serve
0: them with my position um, and with that title. So, yeah. That's great, man. It seems like your mind uh, never really went the victim route. Like a lot mm-hmm. of people do. I I do, you know what I mean? In life with a lot of things, you know, if try to fight feeling victim or life's not fair or whatever these things are. And, you know, the best mentality to have to overcome that is that I'm not going to allow these things to stop me, whatever these fears are, and to move forward. Um, and to not let what seems to be um, an impairment that, would prevent me from experiencing these things in life, I'm going to go experience them regardless. Yeah, And that's that's beautiful, you know? And uh, I think that people that have physical impairments that do that, we love that so much. And I say we, like, I don't mean separation. That's not how I intend it, you know? Because we're all here together, you know? But what I'm saying is like, when somebody with impairments physically go, goes and does things that are like that person is doing that like it really shows others that like whatever you're facing whatever mm-hmm. doubts you have within yourself whatever fears they are they can be conquered yeah if that person did that i can do that and i'm not even going through nearly what that person is going through you know and so i like it's so cool for you to hear like I don't even think about it. Mm. Like I just do what I do and when somebody says it to me I'm like, "Oh yeah, like <laughs> the fact that you're not even thinking about it on a daily basis like that is just just shows how you've been able to train your mind to move forward in life and not let things hold you back because of whatever, you know. Yeah. So I commend you for that, man. I mean that 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 kind of mentality is it's needed and it's infectious um so you being a leader for your organization and like you like you said not letting that even be in your peripherals that you just go and do what you're supposed to do as a leader is it's awesome man Mm.
1: i think so there's definitely there are there were and there still are like times of like um I don't know how to describe it, um, but I think just acknowledging that too of like there are times where I feel, um, victim or sorry for myself, but I just don't rest in that, I acknowledge yeah. it. Yeah. Um, it's like, man, I am feeling, um, <clears throat> I do feel like the victim, I do feel like it's unfair. And I think for me at first, I was like, I can't say that, you know, I can't say that, I can't say that, mm-hmm. um, but those thoughts were there, um, still, even though I didn't want to acknowledge that, and so for me to. Start acknowledging, like, I feel this way, but it's still not true. Yeah. Um, and kind of separating, like, how I feel and then knowing the truth yeah. um, through that and speaking myself truth.
0: That's um, I have a saying that I have to remind myself of a lot, and it's know your truths, remember the lies. Mm. And so whatever your truths are, we know them inherently. Our higher self is always speaking the truth to us. But our lower self, it wants to spit out lies constantly and try to trick you into things to keep you at a certain level because the 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 ancient mind doesn't want you to progress. It doesn't want you to push the limit. It wants to keep you safe, and it doesn't want to experience anything new. But then we have our higher mind, and that's the one that's trying to you know, call us to our higher callings and push us out of those uncomfortable levels. And they're constantly fighting, you know, and so it's like, which wolf do you feed? And, you know, you've learned to feed the good wolf, you know, the one that has that strength to persevere more than you feed the bad wolf, because that bad wolf, it's hungry, it's more hungry, you know, it wants to eat always. And the good wolf is just like, well, feed me if you want but I'm here, you know? And so, um, I really, I really love talks about mindset and how you deal with hardships in life. Um, because I'm trying to learn a lot for myself, you know, and I like to learn how other people process it through, uh, the challenges they've experienced. Uh, so thank you for yeah. sharing, you know, uh, and I think even,
1: uh, even in that of like, not only overcoming, but also accepting, Mm -hmm. um, accepting those limitations. As I I get older of like, I've climbed Mount Baker a ton of times descent, like just crushes, like it hurts. I'm in tears. And so I think looking and also accepting my limitations, like this is a very real physical thing and I won't be able to, or it'll take me so much time to get through these barriers for like rock climbing not to be out there so much to get through these barriers and right now my priority is spending time with my kids yeah and being a dad um and not you know messing up my legs so much that i can't like run or whatever i call running with my kids or something like that because you know i was out snowboarding so i think the other part like in this journey like through um high school college 20s 30s um very much realizing like yeah, I can do this. I can go for it. And now like, okay, those are, this is a very real limitation and my limitations don't necessarily define me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I can just look at those, those priorities of like, I don't, you know, so I backed off the mountaineering and, and those things too. So, yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think what you said is important with acceptance. It's not always about beating something out or overcoming it's, you know, the challenge and sometimes the hardest thing to do is just to practice acceptance of, you know, there's there's certain maybe things that I just have to realize are and that's okay. Yeah. No, I remember it's okay. I remember my dad kinda of going through that because his
1: his visual impairment was progressive. Yeah. And so, so it happened
0: really quickly to him? Is no. That where it it,
1: ha- it happened slowly, oh, okay. um, over time. So like he couldn't see the blackboard at, at school. You mm-hmm. know? And then when I was kind of going through surgeries and stuff like that, he was having to learn how to use a white cane and accepting wow. like, and he didn't want to accept that he was blind. Mm-hmm. And so I got to watch my dad kind of going through that of like how hard it made everyone who wants to help him and give him the tools that he's going to need mm-hmm. versus like maybe being angry and accepting, like, I don't want to be blind. I'm angry and listening. So to be able to see my dad kind of, go through that and how it affected our family of like no here's you know opportunities like a white cane so you're not walking into to buildings or yeah you know the walking or whatever right. um into into situations that can be really dangerous mm-hmm. um and so I, yeah i think there is a, a real limitation in kind of going through that own journey on myself of like okay you know i need to understand that so that how would that affect my family you know if i was out and just totally destroyed my knee and i can't can't really fix it either. I was talking to a specialist um, maybe two years ago, and he's like, Yeah, there's your knee is your leg is so deformed, you can't like even put in a mechanical leg, like mm. you know, you, what you got really is what you couldn't you do got. a prosthetic uh, essentially is what, it, yeah, you couldn't put in a, a knee just the way it's formed uh, and stuff like that. You couldn't do a fake knee, mm. um, so it'd be like,
0: yeah, yeah so it'd just be fake.
1: like he didn't know, he didn't know what would happen if if the pain became so bad. You know, hey, if I, if I continue, you know, just really hard on my leg, the pain's gonna get so bad. And so, just accepting that of like, okay, I need to listen to this and accept that. So, yeah, it's a process of both of like going for it and, uh, you know, not letting it define me and pushing beyond that, but also like, no, this is a part of my story. I do have a limp and, I, and it can encourage those around. Like, you talked about the kids on the trip who are really struggling like saying they can't and then other leaders like hey you see you know up there like he's walking with a limp he's basically climbing this whole mountain with one leg it's you know one leg match one leg forward one leg match one leg forward yeah
0: and dude that is that's ultra impressive (laughs) to me man like um you said like a uh, descent on Baker and how much that can hurt. Like my, some of my descents have been like, I can barely walk myself, <laughs> man. Like I'm like falling down the mountain, basically. Like my knees are giving out, you know, like, uh, so f- for you to go through that same thing it shows a lot of just, uh, just resilience Hmm. i guess that's maybe a good word for it just being resilient you know and just like i'm gonna i'm gonna see this through no matter the pain because i know it's got to be very painful at times Hmm. you know um and so it's it's cool man I, i i'm i'm enjoying digging into your mindset and how you've been able to be strong through your life thanks yeah Guess we could uh, transition to more about Peak Seven yeah. and what you guys are doing, but um, one of my questions is, uh, what are your beliefs of why we kind of talked about this? But what are your beliefs on how outdoor adventures help people unlock their greater potential?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's really about having perceived limits mm. and and perceived barriers, and it kind of goes into your other kind of thought of like favorite trips i just love being able to um have someone like i can't do this and and not just a a boot camp kind of thing like oh no you're going to do this but it's a do with like we're in the outdoors there isn't really quitting's it's not like it's a challenge by a challenge by choice where you can leave any time. Like you, there's like it's impossible for you to leave. Like once you're on this adventure, and we're going to support you in those ways. Um, but for them to to see like what could be or that wonder um, after a trip, like I could be a guide mm. um, of of just the confidence. I think that that builds. Mm-hmm. So I think one overcoming perceived limits. And then just, just to, like, expanding what could be. I think the imaginative um, nature of the outdoors, of being in an outdoor space, uh, can get kind of those imaginative things going of more futuristic thinking. I think when, you're, when kids are in the city, this is all there is. This is all they know, and, and they these four blocks are this neighborhood. And to take them and be with them on Mount Baker, Um, And, like, being able to see out along the sound and the islands. And, like, this world is a really big place. And it's so imaginative of, like, um, the person who, the God who made this has a plan and has a story for your life. And and you can live into that more. Um, So I think it just, it really asks, like, there is more. There is more um, out there. So I think there's a lot of different ones um but those are the two that come to mind the first thing when I think about helping kids unlock their greater potential
0: yeah there's like you said once you're out there you're kind of out there you can't Mm -hmm. just get right back in your car when you've been hiking for days or whatever it is you know um or wherever you're at but like for me there's been times where I'm out somewhere and I'm like like, there's no getting away from this. Like, you're, you're in this, you know, and um, there's times where you just want to maybe get back to the comforts or whatever it is, but you just keep pushing yourself. And I think that's where, like, your talk of perceived limits happens is because, like, you're forced into a situation where you have to keep going. Even when you're headed back, like there's times where you're like, uh, right. I just I don't know how, how if I got enough to get back. And the only option, though, is to get back. So you got to just keep going forward, you know, and keep pushing towards your destination. Uh, so that like that's one thing in outdoors that's helped me. It's like learning how to push myself when I want to quit. Uh me and my friends, you know, my brother and another friend of mine, we always, we have a joke. Like, right when we start on the trail, we say, call the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> call the heli, man. We're not going to make it, you know. And, and another thing we'll do to tease people, like, as soon as we start on the tra- on the he- uh, trailhead is, like, if somebody's coming out, we're like, how much further do we got? <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, just asking funny questions like that because – you know it's how it goes like if you're starting a hike and a crazy ascent is in it right away you're like oh man like gotta keep going like so it's good to it's good to get out there in those ways to push yourself and like how it translates to like hopefully it translates to you in life of dealing with hard things you got to overcome and just keep pushing and going forward
1: it does, and that's why we work with a lot of organizations. I remember um, one of the 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 one of the people that really stands out. His name was Andrew. He's in Seattle, um, and I think there was we work the organization we were working with was two different organizations. One was Catholic Community Services, and so they had some young people signed up for the trip, and I was meeting them, and I could see like this one kid was like super excited, and I could tell. Uh, just uh, for certain things of like, oh, this this person's really gonna struggle. even his mindset of like just super excited, and then I can see that that crash, you know crashing a little bit. Mm. And <clears throat> he was the most excited of all the kids, um, and got out on the we did the coastal trail, it's like 17 miles. and the tides go in and out and kind of create choke points that you have to get past. Um, otherwise you're going to be in the ocean. And so it's like day, day two and we get past the, we get out. The first day is like boardwalk to the beach and he's just having a great time. And then you start hitting that deep sand. And then after the deep sand, it's like slippery rocks mm-hmm. and he's just continues to face the next thing and he's like, okay, I'm, I'm done. Like I quit. I can't do this. And the uh, the tide had choked point, you know, hit the yellow banks, and I was like, "No, we can't go." And he's like, "No, I, I'm done." I was like, "No, like we literally like we can't go. See how the water is, or the the cliff? We we're on a cliff side, and I see how the this is all wet right here. It's the ocean. We'll be here in a few hours." And he's like, "Well, just leave me." And I was like, "No, we're we're not going to leave you. We're going to stay yeah. together." Yeah, yeah, and. And when he realized that, like, quitting – and then he was – he's like, I'll just take the bus. I'll just take the bus. And I said, the closest road is through that rainforest, and there's no bus line on that. And he threw down his pack and just this, like, almost primordial scream, screaming at the sky of, like, he couldn't quit. And so this whole journey, we were out an extra day. I remember very distinctly, remember, like, taking a Snickers bar with a pocket knife and dividing it into – Six different spots and and stuff like that, um, and the kids all came around and and carrying his gear and encouraging him like one more step, one more step, and then we get to like um, a rope ladder to the top of this ridge. And he's like, I'm afraid of heights, and just hugging the top. And I was just done. I was like, I why are we taking kids on these things? This is this is crazy. Mm. Um, I you know, and I would just be looking around that next bend. We'd come along the ocean. And I'd look around the next bend. I was like, oh, please just like sand again. And it's just as far as you can see, slippery rocks. Mm. And um, yeah. And so at the end of that, like it was, it was just a battle. Every step was a victory. At the end of that, he got back to the car. And I was just like, that was the most mentally exhausting trip I've ever done. Just every step of victory for 17 miles. Mm. A whole extra day. And... <clears throat> Um, a year later I get a text message or a, not a Facebook message and he's like, Hey Austin, remember that, remember that time that um I wanted to quit, but but you wouldn't let me? And I was like, Yeah, I do. And he's like, Thank you so much. I graduated high school today. And afterwards wow. I had, even right after the trip, when the administration realized that Andrew had gone on the trip, was like, oh, he wasn't, he should not have gone on that trip. Like when Andrew hits his wall, um, he like freaks out until he gets to go home like he just he gets his wall and he knows how to quit and i think he can you know people can have those labels and it takes a while to reset of like that's who andrew is hmm. andrew when things get hard andrew quits and hmm. as you say that about yourself as others say that that's your lived experience yeah. you things got hard and you quit and for his first time in andrew's life he he couldn't quit and and he was able to make that connection of graduating high school, um, being able to like overcome of like this is the perceived limit. I'm not a quitter. Mm. Like I can do this. Mm. Um, and he had people that cared about him around him. And so organizations, um, their leadership, like hey, remember the time you're on Mount Baker and you looked at that mountain like there's no way. And one step at a time. What is what is the next step right here look like for you, like? Don't look at the whole mountain. Just look at that next step. So I think helping them realize their greater potential of like those things they thought they would never be able to do. Like Whitewater. Be working with a, a community in inner city Seattle and we'll be doing a safety talk. And like, okay, when you, if you fall out of the boat and like, what do you mean if we fall yeah, out yeah. of the boat? Mm-hmm. Um, and just the idea and the terror and the fear of and the out of controlness of Whitewater and for them to like embrace that and smile and have the waves crash over the boats you know like whatever those perceived limits are of like no we i don't do water you know i don't know how to swim i didn't grow up with that kind of stuff yeah um and to be able to smiling through that so i think that's a huge part of of that greater potential
0: yeah definitely yeah i mean getting out there doing these kind of adventures they i mean you have to it forces you to face these fears. I mean, that's really what's happening mm-hmm. at the base, you know, and like in in societal life, you can kind of avoid fears to some extent, you know, depending on where you're from. There's all sorts of different variables there, but mostly we can find our comfort zones, whether it's on our tablet or our TV or these different things that are available to us to kind of disengage us from really facing these internal Fears or inadequacies that we have, you know, you can kind of neglect them. But when you, you know, put yourself out there, it's kind of just a form of like, I'm putting myself out here to face my fears. And I think, like you said, with the guys that free solo and do these extreme forms of outdoor activities, it's really about them trying to work through in their mind the fears that they have. Like, they have fears, they're not fearless people. But they're not scared to face them. And they use outdoor physical activities to do so. You know, and like I'm listening to the book Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins right now. That dude's on a whole other level where he takes it. But I mean, basically the reason he's so extreme is all because of his fears and inadequacies of his childhood traumas and growing up. And him just trying to prove that he's enough. You know, and, and he he's taking it to extreme measures whether it's his ultra marathons and his his experiences navy seals and delta force and all the crazy stuff that that guy's accomplished but it you know it's about him putting himself in a situation where he has to face his fears and i don't know if i'm always doing that when i go to outdoors because sometimes i'm taking a hike you know it's just about me maybe processing things But then there's the times where, especially like for me, I'm an avid snowboarder, been doing it since I was six. I love it. I'm just now feeling strong enough in my skill sets to start going into the backcountry um, and my maturity too. I just never had a guide or a mentor before to take me into Mm -hmm. the backcountry. It's always something I wanted to do, but I always respected it. And knew that I was I've always been a wild card. i just now feel like as a man, I'm 34, that I've gained the maturity to take myself into the backcountry. Also, I go with people now that I've met that have experience, of course, but that I'm I'm wise enough to face these fears and respect these fears of what I have to deal with going into the backcountry in winter conditions, which is very dangerous yeah <laughs> it's yeah. super dangerous but um but it's also like makes you feel alive you know and there's nothing like hiking up a mountain in the in the snow and being able to snowboard down it. and i finally got to experience that this winter and that was amazing mm-hmm. but i was scared a lot of the time you know you know and so i think for me Putting myself in that uncomfortable situation, though, it's something that I, I yearn for. It's helped me realize, you know, like you said, greater potential. Like, well, all right, I can learn these things. I can put myself in these situations and get out of it so far, you know. And you just kind of want to see what else you can accomplish. Um, and um, so... I don't know. I, I've had a lot of great experiences. One, two was like me and my brother and my dad went on a rafting trip through Hell's Canyon last mm-hmm. summer. And that was, my dad's in, he's early 80s. So he's he's yeah. grandpa age, you know, but he he initially wanted to do like a seven day trip. He's never done a trip in his life that long so i was like no dad said like i appreciate you want to get out there seven days is a long time on a river long time you know you get cold easy these different things we did the three day and it was challenging for him but he did it you know and you think about times out there like if someone if he got hurt or one of us got hurt like it's going to be a while before someone's able to get to you you know and um And so you really also learn how to make, hopefully, if you have this awareness when you're out there, you have to learn how to make wise decisions, you know, and not be so reckless in your decision making. And I feel like that translates back into society as well. Like you really have a deeper thought pattern of how to make decisions and the repercussions that they could have. Like even when I do simple things sometimes they seem simple but like making a simple decision like to maybe skip a step which in the backcountry could cost you your life like the other day I was putting together a mailbox out at my uh, family property and I I anchored the mailbox to the top of the post but then there was it was still a little like not as sturdy as I wanted it to be So there was area where I could put in two side screws. I thought that might help with the sturdiness. And I decided to, I was like, I should do a pilot hole so I don't crack the wood, but it'll probably be okay. So I didn't do the pilot holes. One side was fine. The other side cracked. And I was like, see, I skipped that step. That step was important. And I should have made the right decision and went and done the actual step to get the safest, well, not the safest, but the best result. And all I could think about is, like, what if you made that kind of decision in the backcountry and that costed somebody's rope to fall or whatever the case may be, you know? And uh, and so I start thinking that way now, now that I have more of that experience.
1: No, that's definitely something that comes up with, <clears throat> with kids. I think a lot sometimes can be, like, they talk about maybe helicopter parents or snowplow parents of, of paving the way and um, paving the way for the kids and for when they realize like hey the the con the actions i take you know they do have consequences of like um you know hey this is how you're gonna take care of your pack and so it's just pouring down rain yeah. and the kids like i'm cold i want to be in that tent and so they leave their pack in a puddle with the the brain open and just raining in there and they're like hey um all my clothes are wet can i have some more and I'm like no that, that's the clothes like yeah. could i have some dry socks and like no, the clothes we have, you can wear them, and they'll warm. You know, you had to warm them up, and so mm. just seeing, not rescued from your consequences as much, yeah. uh, or enabled, of like, oh, wow, no, that that had a an effect on the whole. You know, my my decision um, or lack of decision made a whole effect on the whole group, and yeah. so being able to talk with students even about that, they'll be playing around the, you know, we'll be on a backcountry campsite, and they'll be playing around with, you know, doing some jump or. Or mm-hmm. playing around the fire or something like that. And like, hey, I'm going to ask you guys to stop. I know you can probably do it. But if you can't do that standing backflip or something like that and you get injured out here, it's going to affect so much. Normally you'd go at, you know, your parents' place or whatever and just throw you in the minivan, take you to the hospital. But, but out here, like a thing like a broken leg um, is a whole – like it's a lot. Um, and so like, yeah, just being able to have a place where – they have. They are taking responsibility yeah. um, for their actions. Like I don't want to drink any water. <laughs> like, and mm. then they're stumbling down the mountain and mm. and stuff like that. So I yeah, mean a witch. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it just it does help them realize. Like, no, there is those 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 actions I'm taking not only affect myself but affect others. Even we talk about paddling boats. People in recovery. Um, I love taking people in recovery. Um, whitewater rafting there's just so many connections and we don't just as peak seven we're not just like hey that was a fun experience see you later um we're going to talk about it like hey let's talk about how how the river um is is similar to our our life journey like what if one person uh in this boat wasn't wasn't paddling or was paddling backwards and wasn't going the same direction as everybody else it would affect that whole boat um, that one person's actions. And so like, who are the people that you have with you in your life? they are people who are there for you. Um, even when crazy stuff's happening, people falling out, you want someone there for you, kind of pulling you, um, back in, or, you know, you want someone who's going in the same direction and not fighting you. And so yeah. like having that boat of like everybody paddling in unison, like one person out of sync will, throw the angle of that boat off and maybe at a really critical time was coming into a big wave Mm -hmm. so that just i love being able to to draw those life um or the outdoor experiences to to life and being able to to make those connections
0: yeah yeah i I love it too uh so do you have like a peak 7 adventure experience that stands out the most to you? I'm sure you have f- so I have many, so but many. Is there one that really felt uniquely special based upon maybe changing a kid's life? I mean, you shared one.
1: Yeah, that um, one was probably one of my favorites. One of I, your favorites? I think like cuz he was at his like physical limit and I was at my emotional limit mm. of like this is not worth it like this Mm. is so emotionally draining and then Mm. seeing like for him to see the results of his effort and then for me to see the results of my effort that was one of um, my more favorite ones I had yeah one on Mount Baker very similar um, kid um, just was told that they could they would quit like I knew they would quit and we actually brought a we usually everybody stays together, but knowing when that young person hits their wall of like, okay, we're gonna bring an extra tent and sleeping bag, and he knew that that was in there. Like there was an out for him, and we got to the the one place that I could put a bivy in a sleeping bag, and um, he saw that, and we were just able to really process through that and continue, yeah, continue up that mountain, um, just one step, and he got to the summit of Mount Baker. In um, his life, like you said, it doesn't it doesn't change their lives forever, but it has a nudge. It has a trajectory impact. Um, and so, just like you know, his um, his working through with his dad or something like that. Remember that time on Mount Baker? Like he'll never be in the outdoors again in that situation, going up that. But he'll remember that um, yeah, remember for his so. whole life. So that was probably yeah. one, um, probably one of the ones like when we first started out. Like I brought. We've kind of grown up a lot, but when you first start out, we just do whatever. We have lots of fun. So risk management maybe was a little different. Hmm. Um, yeah. and so we had Baker's a big mountain. It is. We were doing I forget what we weren't doing Baker yeah. at that time, yeah. um, but we were doing a different mountain and we were doing a traverse. And we were teaching the kids how to um, use her, use the ice axe and self belay and yeah. lean on to that. And lean into the mountain and drive the ice axe in and one of the students just was absolutely not not doing it correctly and couldn't figure out he's leaning away and just fearing that mountain and Mm. so i had um one of my it was probably one of the craziest trips there's so many different stories on it but it was a backpacking trip up in the cascades early season so we were doing a traverse in snow, melted out, like run out was melted out, just super exposed, didn't have a, a rope to set a fixed line. Um, don't know if I could have gotten a fixed line if I had enough snow to work with. But, yeah, we were <clears throat> going across that. And so I had one of the guides like, hey, you're going to have to stand below below this person and like tackle mm. them into the snow if they go because yeah. I don't know what else we're going to do. Yeah, And so we're going through – and sure enough, that kid peels off and starts Oof. heading the worst thing, like face first down the mountain. Oh and goodness. the guide takes one bound, grabs him by the cuff of the pants Oof. and and um, and brings him back up. So, wow. um, yeah, but just those, those times, like, ooh, that was close. And I learned from that of like, okay, we need to have more training in place and those things. But that was one of my, I don't know why it was one of my favorites, but... Yeah, I'm trying to think. I used the Andrew one as 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 probably my favorite um, story. So if I think of another, I'll let you know.
0: Uh, Yeah, no, that's a that one's great. You know, to know you helped somebody not quit and graduate high school. Mm -hmm. It's uh, important to you know. uh, I don't know. It's to be out there and know you can't quit. Like there is no option. You can't quit, no nah, It's uh man. Yeah. Uh let's see. All right, yeah, I wanted to talk too about uh could you tell me about Peak Seven's new police adventure league um and its impact so far?
1: Yeah. No, I'd love to. Yeah, so um a few years ago. There was a police officer who gave me a call. His name was Pat, and uh, he's from. He was in juvenile uh, juvenile corrections in Airway Heights, and he's like, "Hey, I see, um, I see these kids coming in and out all the time. I had um, a kind of tougher story growing up, and I want these kids to know that they they're in this path that they're on." is not a given it's not like oh this is just who you're gonna be i want them to see that there's another way and i want to be able to take them climbing i want to be able to do these adventures and as much as i love saying yes i was like you know hey with kids in in corrections and stuff like that trying to figure that out it's really really tough like i don't have the training for my staff um and you know, for for you for you, it put a lot of risk and stuff like that in training. We just don't have, um, yeah, the resources or the you know even the liability structure to to pull something off like this. Right. And so a few years later, he gave me a call. It's like, hey, I'm a school resource officer, um, and I'd love to be able to take kids um, from the school. Um, and so was like, okay, let's yeah. let's go. And so. Um, it was really his dream of being able to to connect with these these kids he loved the outdoors, loved rock climbing, uh, wanted to be able to kind of talk and share story and um, and so the he worked with the school counselor in Airway Heights and said what what kids would need to would be good to be able to take on these trips and so it was some some tougher some kids with some really. Uh, challenging backstories Um, times where he'd like when, when the, when Pat was a police officer just um, in the city having to arrest, you know, their parents or show up at their parents' house several times. Some of the kids were expelled from school for threatening um, different things, um, gang activity. And I thought, I was like, there's no way like these kids are going to want to spend like a whole summer or half a summer with a police officer. Mm. I was like, they're, He's not going to be able to convince them, and he was. He was able to, and the kids saw that. uh, were able to kind of change their perspective Mm. of of police of seeing someone there just serving, uh, being there of like serving these kids, sharing these experiences. the The cool thing about the outdoors is everyone's in it together. You're not like doing something to, um, you're with. You know the outdoors is the do too, mm. um, and so you're you know you're cold, you're miserable, you want to be home at the same time, um, and you're you're with with these kids like hey what can I take out of your pack, and um, what do you need to support you on this on this next part? Do we need to rest for a little bit, um, and then being able to share story, um, and, and um, is really powerful. And so these eight or nine kids, uh, gang activity, being able to one of the conversations. Um, they had one of our guides is like being able just emotionally process it's like he said to our guide it's like i wish i had more freedom or guys had more freedom to just express emotion you know mm. this, this kind of sucks how we can't and like being in outdoors just was able to to process that mm. uh, with our guide and he was like a school counselor and so just a safe person to to be able to talk with and and open up with and and then also not only like the students police, you know, perception of police officers changing. Um, but also police perception too, of like, mm. um, really helping the, the, I think the idea of just emotional connection, I think you can, it's, it's safer and smarter sometimes to so just turn off that emotional part of mm. sharing your story. It like, it was time to share life stories. And it's like, Hey, we're going to be sharing life stories overnight on the, it's a multi-day on the shoots. Um, and we're going to be, you know, actually it was a, a overnight where We did Smith rock and then rock and rafting on the disjutes. And so just in the middle of the desert, we're going to be sharing life stories. And he's like, yeah, I got that. And I was like, but I want you to not just share about, you know, what happened with your mom or your family. I want you to share about how you felt like these kids need to be able to express that. He's like, ah, I don't yeah. know. Like that's a yeah. whole nother thing. And so be able to work through that, um, and be able to share this is, like more vulnerability. This was the police, of the police officer on the, uh-huh. on the journey. Yeah,
0: Was he the only one on the yeah. journey? Yeah. Okay. So,
1: yeah. yeah, the kids. And it was just really amazing. It was a lot of parents like, whoa, this was life-changing. And the kids, now they want to come back Yeah. and like take the next group of kids. And so they're going to come back and be like assisting in climbing and belaying and and things like that as as this police the a new police officer is going to take another group of kids from the school. So oh, it's just awesome. kind of breaking down those barriers. I think the outdoors, you know, when you have um uh, you know an authority's position and you have the the uniform, the gun, or the badge, everything like that and you know, you're dressed in like whatever gang colors or things like that and everybody has their safety protection all that comes off and you're putting on wetsuits and helmets and you look ridiculous and you're rafting, (laughs) um, together. Uh, it just, yeah, it really, it really removes those, those those social barriers that we create of just two people hiking in the woods, the, the vulnerability of like in paddle rafts or rebelling of like that kid, lets go of that rope. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, for that, for that officer. And so just that mutual trust and being able to be together, it, it, it's going to change the perspective of that relationship at the school and working with police officers I'm like, man, he really does care. And the cool thing, I remember um, just seeing uh, the difference of of Pat. Um, I was we were at a, a launch on the Spokane River and a guy was passed out, <clears throat> probably coming off something under a picnic table there. And we were just kind of like, you know, just around and had yeah. our gear and equipment and he was just gone mm. and i saw i was like it just it's easy just to ignore it's like i'm just gonna ignore the situation yeah. and just work around and and he stepped in and i thought oh he's gonna you know get in trouble or something like mm. that he's like hey you need anything gave him some gatorade that we had and mm. set it down there and, and stuff like that and just seeing like man he really cares mm. um, so i think it's the right person too of like yeah i was working with the uh the grant writer to write a grant for the program and she's like, I, I see this program succeeding because of Pat, and like he really cares for the kids and wants to connect. Um, other programs that she's written grants for, um, similar programs where all the kids are over here doing their thing, playing, and then the, the all the officers are just hanging out, sitting on coolers, smoking and joking. Um, but like Pat, to like really be there with the kids every day, um, like they knew that he cared. So it's just really cool. Really powerful. He sounds like a
0: cool person to talk he is. to. Yeah, you should definitely uh, have, have him. To, on. Yeah, see if you could connect me with him and see if he'd be interested. That'd be cool. Um, well, you know, I have a I have a a rough past myself, um, with the law, you know, and um and I now have a good friend who is an ex police officer. He retired recently, but he was the first um officer i ever knew personally you know yeah well the way i came up i didn't like police for sure and um they locked me up quite a bit you know or got me in trouble quite a bit so i didn't have a uh when i was a young male adult uh um a understanding for them and their job and you know yeah i've as i've grown up and i've you know removed myself from a lot of the ways that I used to live, I now have, you know, a lot more understanding and respect for police officers and especially ones that are actually serving the community, which I think is the primary role of what a police officer should be, is somebody that serves the community and protects the community. And, and you know, that means being there for them. And so for this guy, Pat, to really care about where these kids' lives are going instead of just being like, I'll lock you up, kid, if you break the law, you know. Instead, he's like, no, I don't want you guys to end up here. You don't have to end up here. There's other options. He's actually seeking out ways to show him that and doing it through the outdoors because, you know, Spokane kind of is a little boring place to live sometimes unless you get into the outdoors there's a whole like that's my opinion you know i'm not gonna i think the city's gotten a lot better over the years like the the things that we do offer and but overall there's not a whole lot going on unless you access the outdoors and then it comes becomes a whole nother world and yet there's kids here who have never had that opportunity because it's never been presented or offered to them to even go to Mount Spokane, you know, which is an amazing place. Mount Spokane is very special. If you get a hike there or, you know, snowboard there, it's, you know, it's special, but in the summer you can easily get there and hike around Mount Spokane. It has a, a very special feeling, great views, but you know, I mean, there's a high majority I'm sure of people yeah. who have never experienced it yet, alone kids.
1: My favorite part is taking people who would not be able to have access. It's just you think about like you talked about um, backcountry or splitboarding, and mm-hmm. you had someone who knows more and brings. It's not like yeah. you could just buy a splitboard and like okay, it's just no. a resources thing. It's also yeah. someone inviting you along, and so you the know, invitation
0: for- is huge.
1: Um, yeah. and the knowledge, like for you, like split boarding is that like next level, but for someone else, maybe theirs is snowshoeing. Like it's yeah. super simple. Like yeah. on a, the trip sometimes as easy as guides to like, Oh, I'll go to snowshoeing. I'm out of Spokane. Yeah. Um, but it's super inaccessible and fearful. Like what? Well, something happens? How do you wear the snowshoes? And, uh, I had some really powerful snowshoeing trips this, this winter, um, and just seeing, like, whoa, I never knew Mount Spokane was this beautiful. Mm. Kids from Rogers High School, a teacher, mm-hmm. she just wanted to take her her students out. She's like, my kid's never get to do anything like this. I'd love to take them. And she didn't have a budget. Like, let's just go. Let's take your students. Let's go pick them up at Rogers High School. And they loved it. And like, like seeing that thing of, like, I want to continue doing this yeah. again. I, like, I love seeing that or like wow this is so beautiful i never knew spokane had something this beautiful um or like my parents never do this my dad just sits on the couch all day and he can't do these things or doesn't do these things with me this is amazing so i just love like that that glimpse of hope of inspired like i want to continue like this is something like like he'll be like i want to be a guide Mm. and so it's not the goal for all of our stuff like some kids like that trip up Mount Baker will probably be one of their last wilderness experiences. But other kids, like, this is what I want. And so introducing the ne- the numbers for the next generation, getting into outdoor places are really, a, you know, really bad. Um, and just seeing the need for um, this next generation to be outside. And young people love being plugged into their phones and things like that. And so it's just,
0: yeah, there's that- a huge, huge need. So you're saying... For the next guiding generation, it's it's the numbers are way down. Just outdoor experiences, experience in general, like just being like number
1: of visitors to outdoor places um, is dwindling. It's dwindling. Um, Wow. Yeah, it's just and so like be able to provide like okay. You need someone who knows more than you, and even though like snowshoeing, a lot of us would just ah, I got it. Oh, you think it's you safe, know, but yeah. um, But for them, like that's huge. Yeah. You know, maybe a refugee community has never seen snow before, or and then you have transportation, getting up and driving in the snow. Um, so for them, they just see barrier after barrier of like, um, yeah. And so for us to to come alongside and say like, we're going to remove those barriers, transportation. Yeah. Um, the the labels of you're a quitter or you can't do that or these communities and having like someone like a teacher mm-hmm. or a police officer that they trust inviting them and going with them mm-hmm. um, into these outdoor places uh, we had or like we took a women's recovery group um, that struggles with um, homelessness and experience, women who are experiencing homelessness and addiction and and we're driving up Mount Spokane and they're like just like, I want this for my kids. I want my kids to be able to experience this. Um, and for the, the we kind of set a goal of like, okay, there's the first stop, which is the first shelter, which is fairly easy uh, or, you know, a challenge to get to. But then there's a second shelter and just seeing like, no, we want to get to that second shelter. And then also seeing that desire of like, I want this for my kids. My kids need to have this and experience this. And yeah, it's, it's cool seeing not just the one-time users but the people who are coming back and like yeah. this is a reality yeah this can be a reality for me is is doing more outdoor stuff
0: i think you touched on a good point um the invite the invitation the the offering of making it all possible to do such a thing to somebody that's never been in or around that world and to be able to invite and offer it to them in a way where they see, okay, well, I'm going to put my trust into these people. They know what they're doing. My organization leader or mentor trusts them. I trust that person. So I'm going to go ahead and even though I'm leery about all this, I'm going to go ahead and try to experience it because the opportunity has now been presented. And how would you ever... If you did not have parents doing these kinds of things, how would you ever think in your mind to decide to go do such a thing? Mm -hmm. You wouldn't. The only way is honestly through organizations such as yourself for these these individuals, these kids that just don't have that opportunity. It's just not there until somebody in an organization like yourself comes along. And once you get them in, into out there once you get them out there then you open their eyes you know to what's possible and or what's possible for their own children like you're saying for the uh women's um organization you were working with and
1: i think the other thing too in that invite uh, a lot of times has um intention or co- or like a traces of ownership yeah and which we don't have mm. and so i think and just being like mindful of like inviting you to join us, mm-hmm. um, and I remember like uh, we go to the Olympic National Park and take kids uh, from the inner city to um, <clears throat> to the Olympics, and the Rangers talk to them and like this is a national park, this is your park. And it's these kids, these three kids, it's their park just as much as it's my park. Like, yeah. this is like a shared public space. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of like, oh, this is our, you know, inviting you into our space. No, inviting you along into mm-hmm. our place. Like, mm-hmm. this is, and so I think it just, it's really cool hearing that of like, this is your place. And not just, hey, you know, we'll get up there and take maybe a a, a refugee group who grew up in like a, um, refugee camp and maybe the kids aren't practicing the best leave no trace. It's really challenging. And so like someone will yell at them of like, Hey, get off the, you know, may very unwelcome, like, Hey, you guys don't need to be doing that. Don't run on the, on the Heather like that. And it's something that we're working on, but yeah. just that of like, no, that don't damage the space, but versus like going back to, to base camp and talking about the experience afterwards, like this is your, this is your place. And the next year, the The same kid came back up who was trying to hide trash under rocks, and they're cleaning. They were actually cleaning up and picking up someone else's garbage mm-hmm. um, on the next backpacking trip. So it just it's just really awesome. cool having that that ownership and not just like someone else's space. So yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. The the ownership, and I don't know what it is like when you get invited out by somebody um, to do something cool. I don't know. It's just like a form of uh, acceptance, you know, too, in a way, right? Like for these kids, they might not initially know it, but I'm sure once they go on a journey like this, the feeling afterward is like, well, these people actually cared enough about me to take me somewhere like that and experience something like that. That was cool because maybe they've never even had anybody do anything even close to that for them in their life and to show them this kind of awesome experience. I have a friend, Joseph Northcutt. He was on the podcast early on. Uh, He owns Brick's Conditioning Lab, but he and me have been on a hike or two. He's a black male from LA and he grew up in like a notorious neighborhood. uh, And he was able to go on a trip like what you offer with the organization. They took him camping for a few days and it changed his whole life. He Mm -hmm. like had never experienced uh, the silence of nature before or silence at all. Like he just in a neighborhood where it's active, Mm -hmm. gang violence, gunshots, whatever, is always going on. And he just remembered like laying there one time, I think he was laying under the stars or something. He's just like, I can't believe this like exists. Yeah. Like this actually exists. Like he never been outside of what he was born into really. And he went on to, you know, join the military. He's had a successful career, but he's still active in the outdoors and You know, but that one experience that he went with on that with that organization, he actually, I think, participated and maybe volunteered for that organization for a while um, while he was still growing up in the L.A. area. Um, But that one trip changed his whole life and now he loves the outdoors and has continued on doing it throughout his whole life. Um, So, you know, that's just like proof in the pudding of like an organization like what you do has a lasting lifetime effect on individuals. And, um, you know,
1: yeah. yeah. No, I see that. I don't, I sometimes like, it's hard to see you right away because they'll, they'll go and like never be back again. And a lot mm-hmm. of times the next next year, like you're like the kid, like I would never expect, to, like you're going to, have to wear a pack again. Like I know, I know. Yeah. Are we going to see like the tide pools? And I want to show and and showing the next kids um, mm-hmm. the next year on that spring break. You know, coastal trip, yeah. uh, those those kind of things. Like, or I'll meet someone, <clears throat> um, you know, working at Home Depot or something like that, and they'll see the Peak Seven shirt and like, Austin, remember we went on that trip? And like, you know, that that trip, that experience, um, really had an impact and really changed up. So it's priceless, cool. man. It's priceless mm-hmm. what
0: you guys offer. Um, do you guys? What else do you offer at Peak 7? I think I remember hearing, are you telling me you guys offer training to become guides as well?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, the, after the pandemic, um, I've had to kind of dial back a little bit. We did have yeah. guide training. Um, so for our volunteers, mm-hmm. we do. Um, right. But just capacity-wise, um, we've been looking at, at that. But right now, I want to focus on what we do. Really well, and that's partner with organizations yeah. and make an impact in in the lives of youth. Um, so yeah, we have done a little bit. We have trainings, um, like our backpacking um, raft guide school. Um, we now partner with an organization for wilderness first responder, um, and and stuff like that. So, but it's not the main thing that we do. We do right. have opportunities, um, but I've kind of scaled them back mm-hmm. um, just because. It, it can distract from our main mission of yeah. getting students outside. So if there's a volunteer, who's like a
0: volunteer. Yeah. Like if you volunteer and mm-hmm. you, you can get them into position yeah. to guide and yeah, yeah. no, That's it's great. like, I
1: want to, I want to provide these opportunities. Or are people in yeah. retirement, like Gen X, as they're retiring, they want to retire differently. And so they, they they love the outdoors. They want to be active. And so I'm getting a lot of people kind of getting towards retirement. Like what do I want I want to volunteer. I want to take kids into the outdoors mm-hmm and just have those shared experiences um, and providing those. So, yeah, we have a lot of volunteers, rock climbing. Whitewater Raft was a raft guide school. Yeah. Um, backpacking is a little more difficult because you know, someone who's a volunteer usually um, just doesn't have the, the capacity. So if you have a week-long training and then uh, a week-long backpacking trip, that's you know two weeks. is a lot to commit. But for our day trips, we do have a few volunteers for backpacking, but most of it is... Um, day trips and or short overnight trips with whitewater rafting. So. Yeah. yeah. Now one of the one of our volunteers actually came through the teen challenge program, and mm-hmm. he's every year, it's probably 2011, 2012, uh, went through the program, went on a rafting trip, graduated the program, gave us calls like, "I want to be a guide. I want to be a peak seven guide." And so every spring, every weekend, he's he's there wanting because of the impact that it had in his life, and wanting to have wanting other people to be able to have that experience and so yeah um just every spring every weekend he's there taking kids showing them the the river and outdoors and it's just really cool it's
0: great um is there anything else you'd like to share about peak seven and um how you know people can help and such
1: yeah um i mean like i said volunteering is huge if you work with um another like connecting i think is I love how your podcast can do that just having people and connecting people of like hey there's a business owner that maybe wants to give back into the community and wants to invest. We've had several businesses in every Heights saying like hey I want to sponsor a kid on the police adventure league. Yeah. Or maybe you'll have, you know, another nonprofit and like oh I'm trying to organize a backpacking trip and trying to find backpacks and things like that of like no like we'll go at peak 7 Pay what we can, you know, afford, and have an amazing first rate experience. Mm. Um, and so, I just think just connecting word of mouth, um, either working with a youth organization, and we don't, we prime, we work with youth, but we we work with a lot of different youth groups. Um, so our heart is under resourced um, populations, but we work with like church groups or different different youth, and they'll still have like it's easy to say. Like, oh, you have, you know, an under-resourced or um, inner-city kid. And, like, you must have a really tough story. But there's a lot of hurt and a lot of tough stories um, with kids who would normally seem pretty well off. Yeah. And so, like, some of the more challenging kids have been, you know, kids who have pretty well-off backgrounds um, but have a lot of hurt and they need to be to process and work through. yeah um, So it is different, but we do work with a lot of different youth groups, not just under-resourced. Yeah. So,
0: yeah. Um, so if an organization has interest, what's the best way for them to contact you? Go to the website and yeah, email you guys? There's a form on the website just Kay. interested of like, hey,
1: wow, I'd love that for for my youth or the kids in my neighborhood or just even a teacher. Like, well, have a teacher yeah. want to take their students or a, like for yeah. Pat, a police officer, who wants to take kids from his school um and just be able to provide those lasting connections within the community or mm-hmm. deepen those connections and come alongside someone else like yeah we don't have like follow-up and mentoring but we're coming alongside like hey guides who first you know care about the kids i think the other thing i'd like to share is just our awesome guides like they could be doing a lot over the summer it's a lot to compete with um and we'll train the right person like i'm gonna take a. A school counselor who doesn't know how to be a raft guide maybe over a raft guide who doesn't understand you know doesn't understand of like working with kids sometimes yeah, yeah. not all but um had an interview one time of like okay you have a um someone in a community of color and they're absolutely terrified um of a whitewater rafting trip what are you gonna do and i'm like this is my first time. I'm freaked out too. And like high fiving, like oh um, you know, yeah. maybe maybe trying to find I can't work. train, you know, yeah. I can train the outdoor skills. Um, I it takes more to train the, the people. Interpersonal skills. skills and so yeah. I have, you know, t- this year two of my staff are teachers and things like that. Very green guides in the outdoors, but love kids, know how to work with them, love the Lord. So
0: yeah. Yeah. Uh yeah, it's the interpersonal skills like are very important obviously in what you're doing. Yeah. And like you said, you can you can teach those other skills. Interpersonal skills are they have to come from a place from the heart, really mm-hmm. to engage. Like uh, knowing
1: when to like when someone else is like, Hey, how do you know when a, a student is at their limit? You know, those proceed. What's a precede limit and what's a real limit and like, okay, mm-hmm. let's let's not go for that summit today. Let's just hang out at camp and have Solo time, or like, man, I really think you can do this. Mm-hmm. Let's let's go for it. I mm-hmm. know you can do this. And it's like it's experience. You have to have that experience, and you have to make some small mistakes. Hopefully, small mistakes. Yeah. Um, in working with people, you need that experience. You can't just you know take a class. Even with the outdoors, um, you know, we'll instead of like, hey, at this level you do this, at this level you do this. On the training, in the outdoor training with our guides, it's like this is what this is at. You know. And so they're mm. in it. And like we probably wouldn't want to have kids in this situation. So going above and beyond where we would take kids, so they can experience where you wouldn't want to be with kids. Okay. Um, and just how to think—that's um, not just what to do, but but
0: how to think in the outdoors. But yeah, right.
1: lots of things. But
0: um, and for donations, is that just through the website as well? Yeah. If you want to yeah. donate to Peak Seven, yeah. and yeah. that's peak7.org. Mm-hmm. Yep. Peak Seven P E A K Seven the number yep. dot org. And uh, I'll share that in the show's information and links and everything so that people can easily access your website from the podcast. Uh, Is there anything else you'd like to share, Austin? No.
1: Thank you so much. I really appreciate just being able to share and process and stuff like that. So I'm glad to reach out. and glad you could go on the trip too.
0: Oh, thank you for having me. That was a really, really cool time. And uh, I just, uh, the water fights we had out there were awesome. it's (laughs) fun watching
1: people like just laugh and play together yeah
0: that group was awesome we went with all right well we'll wrap it up that chapter is with austin Dannon from peak seven i'm your host bobby j and this is city chapters podcast